All right, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. I am your host, Eric, and joining me from the Death to Tyrants podcast, one Mr. Buck Rebel. How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you? How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, doing okay, as well as to be expected from this uh, 2020 that we find ourselves in. <laughs> oh, man. I sent out a tweet last night. It just said, uh, December 31st, 11.59 and 50 seconds. All of a sudden, everyone hears a loud voice that just says, respawning in 10, 9, 8. Yes. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. No kidding. Yeah. It was like one response to that was like, no. Yeah. I keep <laughs> thinking about what I, the mood I was in or what I was thinking about last New Year's Eve, you know, if someone would have said, what are you thinking about 2020? Of course, everyone's making the jokes, uh, 2020 vision and stuff. Right. Imagine if they would have said, there's going to be this crazy virus, the, everything locks down, you can't go to work, and you walk around with a mask on, and then Trump's going to get it. <laughs> yeah, the, the sitting president will get it, and his first lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah so nuts. Yeah, I th- I've, if I went back in time to to that December 31st and just said, hey, by the way, everyone's going to get locked down in their homes for a virus that uh, really you have to get a test to even know if you even have it. And then uh, yeah. everyone's going to yep. get all suspicious if you like sneeze. Mm-hmm. I know when this first started, I was in the in a grocery store and I felt a sneeze coming on. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God, please. Don't. <laughs> the whole place is going to kill me. <laughs> just clearing your throat. You know, a little piece of dust flying around the air. Yeah, yes, which uh, I do quite quite a bit, as my producer can attest to. Also, I, I got the virus a few months ago. So had someone told me this is going to be this crazy virus that makes everyone stay in their homes, and Buck, you're going to get it, I probably would have been scared. And now, yeah. having had it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, my uh, my younger brother actually had it, and he was in the hospital for a couple of days. And there was one day where his... Temperature was like 103, and they had to put ice packs under his uh, armpits. Oh, wow. Okay. Trying to get his uh, th- uh, temperature down. I was even asking him, I was like, so was the hospital packed? And he goes like, no, I was the only one out in that particular wing. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he said there were some other people there, but I don't think they were there for COVID. Right. Yeah. And uh, I was up in Dallas for uh, December and November and everything, and I think I might have caught it up there. Because there was a there was a week where I was not feeling so great up there. Did you lose your sense of taste? No, but the weird thing is, you know how when you're normally sick and one nostril will be clogged up and the other one is still free, free to breathe? Well, both of my nostrils were clogged at the same time. Yeah. Which I just found was kind of strange. Yeah, the not being able to taste anything was the main thing. And uh, otherwise, I would have been a little skeptical even of my test result. Like, hmm, I don't feel too bad. And then I could not taste for about eight to 10 days. And that was really strange. And I was like, all right, I guess this is it. <laughs> yeah. The uh, ears, nose, and throat. I mean, that's all connected together. So I guess if yep. there's something yep. going on, but who knows? But uh, Buck, you have the uh, Death to Tyrants uh, podcast. What's been going on on it lately? Well, uh, lately, I suppose I've been doing a lot of focusing on the culture war. Um, for a while I was focusing on COVID stuff and the lockdown and, and kind of all that surrounds that. And I guess I, I kind of wanted to move on to the culture war because sometimes libertarians have a bit of a harder time, um, breaking that down or realizing maybe what side uh, would be friendliest to us. And, uh, so I've been having a lot of 
guests on that, that, that are interesting in that regard, Lou Rockwell and uh, Jeff Deist, Thad Russell, and uh, people like that. So uh, I'm, I'm also doing uh, a, seri- a series, I wouldn't call it a series, but at least an episode or two on critical race theory and, and quote-unquote cultural Marxism oh, and yeah. stuff like that uh, coming up here in the next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's one of the libertarians, uh, small-l libertarians' blind spot is uh, what's going on out in the culture. Because I think uh, a lot of the times we just kind of misread what's going yes. on. Yes, yes. I would say the capital-l libertarian uh, seems to misread it even worse lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few tweets have uh, gotten some uh, candidates in trouble. Uh, <laughs> so it's... Uh, yeah, this whole thing, it's uh, it's been kind of interesting to kind of watch on the sidelines because I'm not participating in the political process anymore. I used to be the uh, elections chair for the Libertarian Party of Louisiana. So when okay. I moved to Dallas, I just like, you know what, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And uh, <laughs> so after then, it's just been uh, I'm just kind of on the sidelines, just kind of watching it. And I'm like, I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I was like right in the middle of all that stuff. Being part of the political process specifically in the in the libertarian party um which is what i'm most lately familiar with i i, I did i was a, a delegate for ron paul which was technically uh, in the republican party in 08 and uh, 12 but being a part of libertarian party inner workings is really not that fun what what did you think of it because we <laughs> we tried it here and my buddy and i were like looking at each other the whole time like this is really lame <laughs> yeah it's definitely not how you're picturing it before you go into it and um being involved in that level of the uh, the state party over here it was uh we're, we're all kind of like i was like ah, guys i'm a little bit more anarchist than this i kind of don't want there to be elections and to be the elections chair is a little bit weird for me oh right 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 <laughs> so uh so i was like really trying to focus on trying to find people who are going to educate just realizing that there's no way that, uh, you know, in certain areas of Louisiana are deep, deep blue. And then there's other places that are as red as it gets. Uh-huh. I, was, I was like, yeah, there's no way we're even going to make any kind of inroads here. It's maybe get some uh, candidates out there that can halfway speak in front of a uh, camera if they're lucky enough to get in front of one. Right. And, and then that was kind of a tall order. So it was like, all right, just, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, going to the national convention, you know, you kind of stand near people during the gala event, and then you overhear some stuff, and you're like, "Oh man, this is just not what I, I thought." <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'd never been to the national LP uh, convention, but but yeah, my my time working within the Libertarian Party at the events, it was more focused on elect like election policy and Roberts' rules of order, oh, yeah. and and kind of procedural things. And way, way less on philosophy. In fact, I would say almost zero on philosophy, except for, hey, this uh, Texas normal uh, event is happening and we need representation at it. Or this, you know, Second Amendment events happening and we need representation. Other than that, it was kind of philosophy free, which which was uh, disappointing, I would say. Yeah. It's like uh, everybody check your uh, your Rothbard and your Mises at the door. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, get your Roberts rules of order. Uh, you know, even if you've got the idiot's guide, it's still going to serve you better. But, uh, which I actually have a copy of it over here, which is, 
uh, really strange because it was gifted to me by the infamous Daniel Hayes. So, <laughs> oh yes, yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, we uh, have the pleasure of having him over here in Louisiana, which is always fun going to those meetings with him present. Mm-hmm. But are you uh, in Louisiana? Or Dallas now? Uh, I was in Dallas for a little bit. I thought I was going to get a job and move up there, and Dallas just wouldn't have me. So before everything got too serious, I, I got to move back over here by Baton Rouge. So Okay. Yeah, so I'm back, which is kind of a good thing because Dallas is, like, super expensive to live in. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no doubt. No. It's like even over here we have uh, income tax in the state, and it still would have been less. So. <laughs> um. Louisiana has a state income tax, does it? Yep, it does. And it's uh it's always so funny cuz we'll get money back from the uh, the federal government on refunds and everything, but uh, the state is always I've got to pay them at least an extra 800-900 every year. Oh so. my. <laughs> Even taking every single deduction I can think of for the state taxes and it still comes out more. So, man, so you're one of those evil bastards that takes deductions. I've been hearing lately that that's that's a uh, that's really un-American. That's what I was told on Twitter by Blue Check Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because uh, you just know that the Blue Checks who can afford accountants and CPAs and stuff, uh, probably to a man, every single one. Oh, oh, did I just misidentify their genders? Okay, to a person. Uh, <laughs> they, they probably have CPAs that are getting very creative with the math on their uh, tax returns. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just a big load of hypocrisy. And when I heard that Donald Trump only paid $750 to the federal government, I was like, I was like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> I can't dock him for that. I mean, does he have a CPA? Do yeah. they charge on a sliding scale? <laughs> 750 too much. And then I was wondering, I, I was under the impression he wasn't getting paid at all since he's been president. Uh, I assume this must have meant from just income from other companies but i thought he had removed himself even from that so but i i don't know for sure yeah i want to say the thing was he uh is foregoing the presidential salary from the u.s yeah, government so but as far as like investments and everything i think he's still taking money from that they still count that as okay gotcha yeah so i just think he's not getting paid for president which is like what two hundred and fifty thousand a year yeah. or something like that so it's just- Pocket change, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, for him, it's like it's like, oh, you're giving me two hundred dollars. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's so funny. It was just like I've paid more than Donald Trump has in taxes, and I was like, I guarantee you, you probably haven't. And then when he started coming out saying, "Well, this is how much I've sent to the state of New York. This is how much I've sent to the city of New York." And over the past decade, here's how much I've sent to the federal government, and it's all like millions of dollars. So. Yep. Yep. But yeah, every little last piece of welfare that you want is in that tax code. You just got to know how to get it. So, yeah, no doubt. Doubt. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, okay, well, you know, he's still a war criminal, but uh, at least I can dock him for, you know, ducking as much tax as he can. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, the blue checks getting all incensed about it was just hilarious. I was like, I was like, you're a member of the media. I know for a fact. You're not sever- sending a 1040 in by yourself. so Right. Yeah. The whole point of a CPA, as far as I'm concerned, is figuring out how everyone can pay the least amount of taxes possible, basically. So it's a strange thing for these people to get mad at that. And you think, well, that's what everyone does. No one says, 
hey man, uh, just go ahead and make make sure I pay as much as possible this year. Yeah, that's like even the uh, the Bernie Sanders out there. You know, when he released yep. his, it's like you know a little bit to charity, but just enough to count for that tax credit. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, he wants us to give you know just about everything to quote unquote charity. Yeah. Is it give? <laughs> Funny By word. First. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So it's um uh, yeah this whole thing has been funny and then uh, Donald Trump testing positive for Corona and then uh, I was watching little snippets of the uh, debate here and there and I was like huh doesn't doesn't look like he's deathly ill and about to keel over at any moment no it's uh, that that why why I say anything in 2020 is a shocker uh, I'm I need to quit saying that but I was I guess that was a bit of a shocker um, man. Yeah, I, and I saw it. In fact, it was my eyes didn't even want to believe what I saw. I thought I read initially minutes after he tweeted that they were tested for COVID. Then he goes on to say they're going to start their quarantine. And initially, I thought, why? Why do you need a quarantine? You were just tested. And I had to reread it. Like, wait a second, is he saying positive? Damn it, this is insane. This is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, we've been uh, sharing the meme of the uh, cabin in the woods. It's like anybody had uh, Donald Trump catching COVID right before right. the election. Twenty twenty bingo. Yeah, and then I've also noticed all of not all of, but a significant portion of my friends on the left who would normally be calling uh, Q, the QAnon faction and conspiracy type. You know, they would make fun of them and, and kind of write them off as tinfoil hat types, and right. yet. The next day, they all sounded like Q. I see just kind of middle-aged, blue-pilled leftists going, there's no way he's really got it. This is all this is all a scam, and I wouldn't believe him. And even strange things like, what a way to duck the election, to which I thought, well, I don't think he's trying to duck the election. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all the people that just the day before would have called QAnon insane or any type of conspiracy insane – they're right on the train now, so it's in- interesting to see the reactions. Oh, I mean, you even saw that uh, in 2016 to the run-up to the election. It was like, well, if Donald Trump gets elected, I mean, we're all going to face, you know, concentration camps and yes, yeah, yeah. So they get they get conspiratorial too. It's they they kind of go off the deep end because uh, pretty much everything that you accuse somebody of on the left, you're pretty much already doing it. As as we saw with the uh, the Russia Gate stuff, I was like, no oh. doubt about. It. Yep. It's like, oh, well, he's colluding with Russia to throw the election. And then it comes out, you know, Hillary Clinton's paying this uh, Christopher Steele guy for a dossier that doesn't make any sense and looks like it was written on 4chan. And, yes. Uh, yep. <laughs> Hunter Biden's taking a couple million dollars from a Russian oligarch. And yeah, yes. it's hilarious. And uh, Donald Trump's not going to accept the results of this election, you know. Yeah. And then look who didn't accept the results of the election. Something else. Yeah. It's been, you know, four years later and Hillary still does not admit that she lost. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that Joe Biden shouldn't concede. I believe it was, quote, under any circumstances. Right. Is what Hillary said. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, that's like a, a very open field where a lot of stuff can go into. If you're yeah. going to say under any circumstances, it was like, uh, okay. Yeah. Like uh, a landslide with that circumstance, you know, if, if, <laughs> if Trump wins by a landslide, which I initially had suspected would happen now with this mail in stuff, I, I don't know what to think that uh, there, there's people saying it, t- it could take over a month or two to count the mail in ballots, 
right. which is is insane. I, what what in the world is going to happen to this country in November and December if they don't know the 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 winner of the election? Oh, at the, at this point, I think we're not going to know anything until almost right at the uh, inauguration time. So, like mid January, <laughs> and even then, it'll be completely in dispute from both parties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. The last one was is still in dispute in, in the eyes of you know half the voters. I would say, whatever happens. I mean, I think Trump could win by a landslide, like I said, and I don't think the Biden supporters would accept it at this point. Yeah. Um, that they'll even get so far down as to go county by county and say, well, there's no way that he would have won in this county. That's a completely blue county. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, watching the results come in in 2016, I remember uh, I was on an airplane and I had one TV. There's a space between my wife and I. And I had one TV on Fox and the other TV either on CNN or MSNBC. And they were grasping at straws as the states would roll in for Trump. And they would actually say that county thing, like you're saying, well, it's almost set, but there's this one county, a uh, lot of uh, upper upper class and, and, and college-educated people. Typically, it goes blue. We're still awaiting the results from that county. <laughs> and it's like, guys are grasping at straws. He's going to win that state. Come on. Yeah, I think what really did it in 2016 was the uh – the polling right before, you know, the phone polls where they call up, uh, you know, prospective uh, voters. And I, yes. I, I think people were just keeping their mouth shut. Uh, oh, certainly. Or, and and I, I know people that still are. There's people I know personally that have told me in confidence, I'm going to vote for Trump, but I wouldn't say that. And so it's interesting that the climate that's created by this kind of divisive mentality that, that the whole country has at this point, yeah, uh, it creates – it, you know, the left essentially has won the culture war, so that creates people that want to just go along and get along if they think this is too insane for me and I'm going to vote for Trump once I'm all by myself in that little box. They're not going to say it. They won't. There's people that won't even tell their family members that. Yeah. So I think, I think the whole country, is, the left didn't learn last time, and so to shame people for voting for someone they they kind of like creates this whole kind of misinformation bubble and that's i think what screws the polls up yeah and it pretty much happens in every election uh, you know they'll the, whoever's being called is just going to tell whatever pollster what they think they want to hear and not actually give their honest opinion so yeah yeah it would be a, a totally different thing if we didn't have secret ballots you know where your name was uh, associated with the with the vote that you cast you know boy that would be interesting yeah <laughs> Uh, man, could you imagine the uh, complete uproar? People just be with, on there constantly, just looking. It's like, oh, this guy voted no on this. Let's go yeah. To this well, house. they'd be a lot of people. A lot, of, yeah. They would be that kind of thing, like the, a witch hunt of sorts. I've seen people on social media that I've been friends with for years. Uh, one person, there was something you could type in. I guess it was just Donald Trump, and it would show you which of your friends liked the page. And and she says. There's an appalling number of friends that have liked this. If it's, I'll I'll check within the next few days, and if you're still in that group, I'm deleting you. <laughs> and so uh, one of her friends pointed out, you know, some people like his page just to follow what he's saying, and it doesn't mean they like him. And she says, "Oh, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought of that." <laughs> and just the knee jerk reaction of of these people, it's uh, 
It's crazy. It's crazy. And and my my wife came up with something yesterday, and and not to just harpoon leftists throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Um, but they are the crazy ones, the crazier ones at this moment. My wife came up with this thing. She said, "I've just decided." You know how people, when you talk about the homeless problem, which we have a big here in Austin, when right. you talk about the homeless problem, people always say, well, you know, you first have to realize a lot of them have mental illness. And she said, I've decided just to look at the left like that. And that actually makes it much easier when that's the first thing, just realize many of them are mentally ill and it makes it so much easier to deal with. And I said, that's perfect. That's perfect. I'm going to use that on a podcast. And so- here we are. Just use it on yours. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's uh, over the last couple of years, I've kind of looked at everybody kind of involved in the political process as having some kind of mental illness or another, including the right on that one, because, uh, you know, there's TDS on both sides. There's the Trunch, uh, Trump derangement syndrome on the left and then the Trump devotion syndrome on the right. Yes. Yep. You know, where you see the, uh, the, the painting of uh, Trump and Jesus, you know. And yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. The boomer memes are funny like that. And yeah, like he's, he is a godlike figure to some people. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's, uh, that's, yeah, that's my parents' generation. A lot of them pushing that around. And, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny to see that it is, you know, cause we make fun of the left for being essentially religious at this point, as far as, uh, the nature of government and that which they view voting and, and all of the ceremonial aspects of, of government. But there is a devotion by some on the right. Trump is a godlike figure. And, yeah, you know, of course, he survived the COVID. It, Jesus walked on water. God dang it. Yeah, it'll be a miracle. He, he survived this thing that uh, yes. kills so many people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, Buck, hold on just a minute, buddy. All right, and we're back. Yeah, that's another one of those things when uh, they were asking people how many uh, they thought had a- actually died of COVID in the United States, and they said 9%. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Could you imagine? I was like, but guys, I, there would be bodies know, everywhere. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but I do. I can see a little bit uh, because sometimes I feel like I might get in a bit of a bubble myself by purposely not watching certain media right. and purposely following the good stuff. And we almost get in a bubble and you, and you don't realize like, you know, you see people in a car by themselves with a mask and you think, what a fool, what's this person doing? But then if you can exit our world for a second, like after the RNC, I turned on CNN just to see what they were saying out of curiosity. And the first thing you see really big across the bottom is the COVID numbers, like an ongoing ticker. Yeah. And I told my wife then, I said, no wonder so many people are scared. Yet, if you just do the math right now, even with those numbers they're showing you, which I don't have faith in are correct, even if you do that math, it's not that crazy. It's not that bad. But it's just it's just like a sports ticker, but it's for COVID deaths. It's, it's something else. And you, you kind of think, well, I guess I can see a little bit why, why a lot of blue pill people are so scared uh, of all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've been kind of making the point that people are – thinking more with their adrenal glands than they are with their brains during this whole thing. Oh, but, uh, yes, yes. But it's kind of sad to see. You try to shake people out of it and you'll just like drop a little truth bomb on them. And, uh, you know, they just watch their face scrunch up and it's like, well, that's not, that's not what the media is saying, or that's not what, uh, you know, the president is saying. And that goes both ways on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
there's a lot of blinders on for sure. Yeah. And we even get it in our little Liberty community as well, because we, you know, we'll try to ascribe uh, our belief system on somebody else that doesn't even believe that way. And so it's like uh, arguing with a uh, pigeon, you know, it's just going to yeah. strut around victoriously and not know what you're talking about anyways. So. Yeah. And, and a lot of us, and I've been guilty of this numerous times, go into a debate with someone trying to just win the argument. And because I'll, typically, in my experience, libertarians are a little bit better read, more, more well read, because we're kind of obsessed with this stuff. And typically, you know, your average Democrat or Republican don't study their philosophy if, if there is one at this point. But and so we go into arguments going, well, I know I know more than this person, especially about this stuff. I'm going to nail them to the wall. And that's not always, you, you know, winning the argument doesn't always uh, serve a giant purpose other than to make us feel like, see, told you. Yeah. So I, I've often said it's a, you have to engage in a lot of circle talk. You're going to start out at one point and you're going to go all the way around the world and then you're going to come back to the original point again. Yes. Yep. <laughs> And sometimes you just need to do that before somebody's light bulb goes off above their head. It was like, oh, yeah, I guess stealing something from my neighbor is kind of a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, it get it gets pretty interesting out there. That's why I uh, try to limit my uh, combativeness on Twitter as much as possible. <laughs> yes, same here. I'm I'm slowly learning. You know, I I take a few steps you know, forward and then one step back if I've had a little bit of alcohol in the evenings <laughs> and wake up the next day, I told myself to quit doing that. So yeah, the the online combativeness usually serves no purpose. It's fun to troll sometimes, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to get better at the combativeness, especially with people I know on Facebook uh, that I know. It, at some point you just go, you're not going to believe what I say and it doesn't really matter and and vice versa. So let's just, you know, forget it. That's like, look, can I tell you a joke and make you laugh at least? Can we, yeah. Can we at right. least agree on that? Yeah. Yeah. So here lately, my main focus is just like, okay, I'm just going to get on my Twitter timeline and I'm going to see how many people I can make laugh with a joke or uh, post something funny. Yes. Or just even anything positive. Some of these days uh, is, is helpful. Yeah. That also helps too. And you guess what? You get more engagement with those type of tweets than you will with the, uh, oh, all liberals are stupid. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But uh, it's it's kind of a fun, fun thing. So uh, big happening in uh, Austin, Texas. It looks like uh, Joe Rogan is a resident now. <laughs> he is. Yes. And I'm about to not be a resident. That's another big happening for me. Oh, um, man. Joe Rogan forced you out. <laughs> he did. No, no. It's uh, we, There's only room for one of us. And, and gotcha. By, yeah, he won. Um, I'm joking. I'm, we're just trying to get this city's becoming um, crazy. Uh, it, it's always been obviously left leaning, and for a long time, it was actually charming in that way. I remember one of my close friends when I was complaining about years ago when I was younger, all the hippies and everything, and he said, "You got to admit that the hippies, part of their culture, is what makes Austin cool." And I was like, "You know what? That is true." The 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 kind of openness and everyone's friendly and, and the music scene and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Well, it's, that's very much gone, I would say for the most part. And, and a lot of it is the Trump derangement syndrome stuff. Seems like 2016, uh, it drove a wedge between a lot of people here in Austin. 
And it's kind of the the George Bush mentality back, you know, after 9-11, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. And if you're not a Democrat, you're you're with the terrorists. So uh, there's been a lot of division in the city and the homeless population, much like other big cities, has just become crazy. The tents downtown um, all over the place. And I think this the lockdowns have made it worse. As you probably know, this is a big music right. town. And there's most most of the music venues are still closed, and that's been since March. Um, I'm a musician, and I haven't played a gig since right around the end of February, and uh, it's it's crazy. So it's almost making it more depressing downtown. the The entertainment district is largely closed, boarded up, actually. Yeah, and of course with tents all over the place, and I just it's it's going downhill here and so we're just moving 30 minutes out of town into a nice small texas town so ready to get out of here yeah i totally understand that it's uh while i was doing a job search last year austin was one of those destinations and uh you know back then you can go down the street and even during the day you know somebody's got live music going and uh yeah it's like i'm walking on my way down to the barbecue joint to go meet with a buddy and, you know, somebody's got a couple of acoustic guitars and they're just singing. And it was like, man, this is, you know, kind of a really cool town. It'd be awesome if yeah. I got one here. But uh, and then uh, just to hear about this later. And then I remember catching your episode with uh, the Reverend Horton Heat talking about yeah. the music industry and everything. And he's he's another one of my uh, one of my idols there. So I was like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, well. he is. He's great. Um, he's a friend of mine. And he this hit him. um hard kind of emotionally he he you know you heard on that episode he was he did not want to stop playing not for himself but he has a lot of yeah roadies you know, and you, everything else yeah yeah the report and heat corporation essentially has a lot of people that aren't the ceo of that corporation so they they depend on him to keep playing and and he got a lot of pushback it's funny how quickly um early on with this virus once it, i would say right in march I assume that's right around, I think the lockdowns were like the 18th or 19th of March. Yeah. But just before that, even before it became official, yeah, people the were, pushback, yeah. boy, they jumped onto it quick. I remember talking to neighbors of mine that I, I know are lefties. It wasn't even to me political at that point, but I said, man, this thing's kind of starting to ramp up, isn't it? It seems like people are staying home. And she goes, yeah, I mean, well, you, that's, what you're, that's what you need to do. Just right off the bat, and it's interesting how quickly it became political i I, again why am i saying that in 2020 uh i i'm i'm i was naive to this stuff but yeah it happened so fast and yeah yeah reverend horton he just was posted online i want to keep playing and if if something's canceled it's not me doing it it's a it's the show promoter and these people were calling him a murderer and all of this kind of stuff online it was nuts yeah that's so crazy it's like even now seeing all the numbers as cooked as they are I mean, there's no way that you could say, you know, someone doing a public performance <laughs> right. is out there yep. murdering people. And they tried pinning that on the uh, on the bikers at Sturgis. It was like, yeah. they, they come out with the story that says 250,000 new cases from the thing. And then they later had to retract it and say, oh, it was 250 new cases. Yeah. Zero exactly. hospitalization, zero death. Yeah. And that's always, of course, like on page four. You yeah. Know, it's, the headline is what matters. And then the retraction is what no one sees except for weirdos like us looking for <laughs> yeah. the actual stats behind these things. 
Yeah, just weirdos like us. I, I guess that's the title of the uh, the episode now. So, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just been crazy, and uh, and of course I know you know Horton Heat wants to perform and doing it you know on the Facebook page or on a Zoom call or whatever. It, it's just not going to be the same, you know. And no. that's that's not going to help the guy that drives the bus, you know, the roadie right. that packs in all the gear, tunes the guitars and everything for him. That's it's so silly. Yep. But, uh, yep. Uh, what you going to do now, man? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, what else has uh, been going on over there in Austin? Well, shit, besides me trying to get out of it, uh, well, here's one thing that's going to go on here in Austin, and this will be discussed briefly on my episode that drops uh, Monday. Nice. Thaddeus Russell has a, a, uh, a university, Renegade University, right. where he's got essentially, as you guys probably know, people listening, his own university of sorts. And he does kind of live performances around the country uh, where he will get a few guests. He will obviously be part of it. And it's almost like a live weekend podcast. Well, we're doing one here in Austin, and we're hoping to do it in spring of 2021. Uh, we'll see if, if the country is not completely imploded at that point. Right. We're not in the midst of a civil war. We're going to do it uh, in March-ish, maybe sometime spring 2021. And I can't, I'm not allowed to say the guests yet, but uh, keep be on the lookout for Renegade University live in Austin, Texas in spring 2021. I can tell you the guests, if they all come through, are going to sell this thing out quickly. Well, then I'm going to have to keep my uh, my ears to the ground because I kind of want to want to go to that. that. That sounds like it would be awesome. Uh, alien invasion permitting, of course. Right, right. Exactly. And other than that, we have our mayor constantly every night on Facebook scaring live, doing his live stream, scaring everyone about COVID. Uh, and, uh, you can see the arguments erupt every night under the Facebook feed. I, I found myself pulled into one of them. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, just mentioning in there that I had had it and it was not scary. Someone attacked me by, you know, telling me that I think of how many people I probably am responsible for murdering. Right. Uh, and and I, he can't believe someone would come on and brag about spreading the virus. <laughs> I wouldn't brag about <laughs> spreading it at all. But, uh, uh, yeah, so – but yeah, we got cool stuff happening, hopefully next year, early next year. But yeah, every night our mayor loves to do his live stream and scare everyone uh, that just COVID's out of control, which you would think is uh, counterproductive being that he's quote unquote in charge of the city. So if it's getting bad here, a lot of people would look at him and put that on him. But uh, it's interesting. Also, his, his, his wife is a real estate lawyer mm. and uh, there's been some some shady there's suspicions of some shady dealing as far as uh people lock you know locking down losing their businesses and where uh the properties might whose hands they might end up with in excuse me in the long run so never trust people like that yeah it's almost like uh they're kind of capitalizing on everybody's misery hmm. that is quite possible that's quite possible oh but politicians would never do something like that. No, they would never use a a crisis to their advantage, would they? No, they wouldn't. Uh, so, uh, got a Renegade University event coming on. Uh, what other plugs that you can uh, drop right here? 
Hmm. Other plugs. Well, the Death to Tyrants podcast comes out every Monday. Uh, like I said, the one coming out this, well, by the, I don't know when this podcast I'm on right now will come out, but the episode coming out, let's see, it would be Monday, the 5th of October is Thaddeus Russell. Nice. And we go into Thaddeus goes into the history of the left movement. And he was, he was, uh, he's very familiar with it because he was part of it. He was a yeah, he was basically uh, born into it. <laughs> yes, he was born into the church, as he likes to say. Right, uh, full fledged Marxist, and he kind of goes down uh, the rabbit hole there and, and gets into how uh, he started with it and what the original left in this country represented, all the way through right now. What's going on with with Joe Biden and uh, he uh, Thaddeus? Actually, spoiler alert: predicts that the Democratic Party will be breaking up into a few different parties probably within the next four to eight years hmm. uh, because there's some warring factions within, and it's basically the kind of Biden, Obama, Clinton wing of it, which is essentially almost yeah. a neocon wing, um, corporatist wing, uh, versus the AOCs, uh, the a little bit Bernie further Sanders. left. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes, the socialists. Because AOC represents one person right now, but there's a lot of AOCs coming out of the university system. And so at some point they will be infiltrating that party as well. And it's gonna there's gonna be some boring factions. So that should be interesting to see where that goes as well. So we talk about that on the podcast coming out. Um that's about all I can plug right now. Of course, we've got death to tyrantspodcast.com where I've got t-shirts available and all the links on their Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all of that stuff. And it's got all of the past episodes uh, you can listen to there as well. Obviously, it's on iTunes, yes. which you subscribe to. Subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> That's right. Yep. <laughs> Got to get the podcast into new ear holes every day. So, Yeah, no kidding. And it's nice to see those little spikes. The spikes happen at the strangest times. And I never know what causes it, but you just see numbers, giant surge, and then it kind of levels out. Then, boom, giant surge again, and then... Uh, levels out, but it's nice to see the giant surge. I'm sure you're familiar with it as well. Yeah. It was like um, a couple, uh, I think it was last month I had Scott Horton on to talk about the war in Yemen. And uh, uh -huh. I was expecting to see a little spike after that. Didn't happen. It was like one of my uh, solo episodes where I didn't have a guest on, that got a spike. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, weird. it's like, all right, I just talked about the news for like 30 minutes, guys. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> he, Scott's always very generous and he with his time. Yeah, I was actually pretty lucky to get him. I uh, sent him an email, and he just sent back. He's like, yep, Friday. Let's do it. I was like, all mm -hmm. right, cool. Yeah. Man, a few words on the email, but man, once you get him going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. On the emails, it's like, I hope he's not mad at me. And then, yeah, once he, once you get talking, he's he gets going. Yeah. I, even, I was like, I was like, I'm going to make it a point to interject a joke in here somewhere. And I, I got one in there. But uh, Nice. <laughs> you just wind up, Scott, and just let him go. But that's yes, the best way exactly. to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's good for us as interviewers because, you know, I'll often chart out 15 to 20 questions per guest right. and kind of bounce around, sometimes scratch some out, sometimes come up with new ones. But with Scott, it's like, I think I'll, I'll write down four and we'll see if I get to them. <laughs> and then uh, nine times out of 10, he's probably going to get all four of those and maybe one you didn't even think of. So Yep. that's I've always noticed how skilled he is because there's been times where I'll ask him a question and he answers it plus the next three without me having asked him. And I'm sitting there scratching it like, damn, he's good. Yeah. 
He's just going to sit back and marvel. Uh, uh, I'm starting to get a little bit mad at him because he's saying, I've got that Biden thing. I was like, dude, you don't have it. <laughs> you might blank on a name here or there, but you ain't got what Biden's got. Oh, is that what he said? He's making the analogy like he's going to be Mr. Uh, forgetful or something like right. that. He'll like blank on a yeah. name for a second and then come back up with it. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got that Biden thing. I'm like, no, you don't. Oh, Stop no. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got m- way too much knowledge in his head to have be anywhere close to a Biden ever. Yeah. I mean, you'll pretty much forget everything I will learn in the next year. I don't, I don't know. Yes, so. no doubt. <laughs> All right, Buck. Well, take it easy, man. Uh, happy uh, house hunting out there in a... Over there in Central Texas. So, thanks, Eric. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. All right, and there he goes, folks. Buck Johnson of the Death to Tyrants podcast. Check down below for the show notes. And there's a couple reasons why you want to do this. Number one, it's going to have all of his links, so you know where to go hit the guy up, where to go download his podcast, where to check him out. And it's also a good way for you to check out what I'm doing as well. So if you go down there, you can see, hey, I've got ways that you can support this podcast by going to Patreon, Subscribestar, Float, PayPal, Cash App, all those different kinds of ways. Uh, No Teespring store anymore. It's closed. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Tried every SEO trick in the book that at least I knew of and couldn't generate any traffic to it whatsoever. So we may try again later. Uh, Also, you will notice a uh, new link down in the show notes. That's to the rebelwithacausepodcast.com. That's right. I got a website. Yes. Uh, Nikki P said he wanted to uh, outfit it out to add to his portfolio. So right now it's, uh, you know, kind of a work in progress. So don't judge too harshly. But uh, I'll have all my links and everything up in there as well. So, guys, uh, thank you once again for coming along. And if you've uh, made it all the way to the end of this, then uh, you are a trooper. Anyways, guys, take it easy. We'll come at you next time with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out. All right, Rebel, is that that the good take? That's the one that we're going to use, huh? You fucking amateur. Hey. Hey. 